Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Chef Wannan. And I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly. The state of New York is officially in a gun violence emergency. So says Governor Cuomo as he signs legislation that holds gun manufacturers accountable for illegal trafficking of their products. Today we feature guest, State Senator Zelnor Myrie, to tell us about this landmark legislation. Meanwhile, the Jose Webster Untraceable Guns Act sits on his desk. Your move, Governor, sign this legislation into law. Radio Gag brings you the work of legislators like Zelnor Myrie, and we also work with gun violence prevention groups locally and nationally. Today, we'll be hearing from Jonathan Gold of Gifford's Gun Owners for Safety. Gun owners joining the fight for safety regulations. Thanks to Libby Edwards, Shep Wannan, and Sean Stefanik, new members of the Radio Gag team for making our shows possible. First, our in memoriam to remind us why we work for gun violence prevention. Thanks to John Stefanik for today's in memoriam. David Xavier Castro, age 17, from Houston, Texas. special places in our lives, activities, comforts, a park, a restaurant, a ball game, a picture show. They satisfy our needs and are parts of our identities. Imagine if that stopped. Imagine they're all gone. Imagine you're gone. Imagine you're not imagining. David Xavier Castro, a 17-year-old in Houston, Texas, wasn't imagining. His father, Paul Castro, and younger brother weren't imagining as they were driving home from a Houston Astros game on July 6, 2021. The road had been crowded on the way home that evening. It was around 11 p.m. Drivers were agitated. The father had already allowed three cars to cut in front of him in the traffic jam. He was about to continue on himself when a man in a white sedan tried to cut in front of him without his consent. Paul signaled with his hands to please allow for he and his boys to continue on and drive through. The driver was seen responding irritatedly as Paul did continue on with his boys. The white sedan then followed the family in their truck for a few more miles before pulling up beside it and shooting a bullet into it, intersecting with David's head. David was taken to the hospital, where he was put on life support as of Wednesday morning, July 7th, 2021. His father posted on social media asking for prayers and even a miracle. Later that evening, however, he then posted another update. One of the gentlest souls to walk the earth has been taken from us today. David will be missed by a world that barely got to know him. Paul would later say his son had hoped to study chemical engineering at Texas A&M University or Purdue University. Recently, David also received his PSAT scores, which revealed that he had qualified as a National Merit Scholar. 
Paul would later go on to say David was interested in politics and public policy as he was worried about climate change, global warming, and gun violence, among other issues. He wanted to do something with his life that would make the world better. A favorite ball game team, a traffic jam, road rage, and it's all over. If it happened to them, it could happen to you. We honor you, David Xavier Castro. Now, Libby Edwards shares her interview with State Senator Zelnor Myrie. Thanks to Libby, the Senator, and his staff for making this possible, and to Ty Kersley for producing this segment. Senator Myrie is a Brooklyn native who represents the 20th Senate District. He is chairman of the Committee of Elections, an advocate for affordable housing, and has served the Senate's Criminal Reform Working Group, which has resulted in major reforms to laws that deal with cash bail, discovery, and speedy trials. Recently, Senator Myrie's own gun industry liability bill which holds the gun industry accountable for the damage caused by its product, has passed the Senate. Together with the Scott Beigel Unfinished Receivers Act, the Jose Webster Untraceable Firearms Act, which both address the problem of ghost guns, New York State now has the strongest laws in the nation designed to protect the public from gun violence. Senator Myrie, we'd like to welcome you to WBAI and Radio Gag. Please tell us uh, how the bills that you have been working on have combined to make us safer. Uh, well, it's great to be on uh, with you and appreciate the opportunity to talk uh, about some of the things that we're working on here in New York. Uh, one of the bills that I had the uh, honor of sponsoring in this legislative session uh, would really be about accountability for bad actors in the gun industry. Uh, and what a lot of people don't know is that most of the guns used in crimes here in the state of New York don't originate in New York. Uh, they don't come from our cities, our towns, our villages. In fact, 76% of guns recovered from crime scenes come from states like Georgia and Florida and North Carolina. Uh, it is what we often call the iron pipeline up I-95, where people go and purchase guns in states with lax gun laws, uh, and then they illegally traffic them, and they end up on the streets of Brownsville and Crown Heights and in Buffalo, Rochester, and Albany. Uh, and these uh, uh, states and, and members of the gun industry have been protected by a federal law uh, called the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Uh, PLACA, known colloquially. Uh, and that basically says that you can't sue a gun uh, industry member uh, for the results and uh, oftentimes deadly consequences uh, of their products. But in that federal law is an exception. And it says if you violate a state law, you can bring and hold them accountable in court. Uh, and what we did here in New York in the bill that I sponsored uh, said that uh, if you are an irresponsible member of the gun industry, you don't put um, in place the proper safety protocols and procedures to stop your guns from being illegally trafficked into our state. You can be held accountable. 
Uh, we declare that type of illegal trafficking a public nuisance, uh, and that allows for victims of gun violence. It allows for our attorney general uh, or uh, or represent representatives from the cities and towns and villages uh, to bring those bad actors into court uh, and hold them accountable for those actions. What uh, steps would a gun manufacturer take to make its guns more traceable or uh, how do you define them as bad actors in this context? Uh, it's a great question, Libby. In the bill, um, uh, we outline what reasonable procedures might look like. And, you know, the, the term reasonable, uh, of course, is a legal term, but it's also meant to capture what any individual like you and I would consider reasonable. Uh, so if you are a member of the gun industry uh, and you don't have proper security, for instance, uh, in your gun shop uh, and you have been the victim of burglaries, you're losing guns every week, but you haven't taken steps to secure your gun shop, uh, that's an unreasonable thing. Uh, and so we would uh, so simply ask that you put in the, the proper safety protocols. Things like keeping records of your transactions seems straightforward and reasonable, right? A lot of gun manufacturers don't do this. Uh, and so they produce guns and give it to gun dealers uh, who don't properly record these transactions. And so you have people come in and buying 5, 10, 20 guns um, at every purchase without any record of that. Uh, things like filming those transactions, having a regular video uh, in your gun shop uh, to ensure that individuals who are purchasing these guns are uh, actually, um, uh, by law, allowed to do so. Uh, and so we, there, there are simple steps that you can take uh, to uh, secure your products. Um, and we believe that uh, we have an opportunity here to hold people who are not doing that accountable. You know, there was a big uh, expose a couple of weeks ago in USA Today, uh, and they did this in, 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 uh, in, in tandem with Trace, um, uh, which is a publication that, you know, follows gun violence. Right. And that expose said that most gun um, uh, inspections were having people let off the hook. Uh, the inspectors would come in, they would find violations, uh, and these people would still retain their licenses. These are people that are not filling out the legally required forms. Uh, these are people that um, are selling guns to people who should not be purchasing them, people who were not putting into place the proper security protocols. Uh, and so this isn't us making it up. Uh, this isn't conjecture. Uh, this isn't hyperbole. It is currently happening right now uh, with bad actors in the gun industry. And that's why we need laws like the ones that uh, we passed this session uh, to hold them accountable. Does your law allow the plaintiff to go after the gun dealer as well as the manufacturer? That's exactly right. So we define a gun industry member pretty broadly. Uh, and that includes the manufacturer, but also the dealer. Uh, it includes individuals who market uh, and distribute guns. And, and as, as, as uh, some of our listeners may uh, be aware, um, it's not just the person that you can go to a gun shop um, and, and get it to. There are people that only go uh, to sort of these gun exchanges that, that aren't really formal. Um, that is a gun industry member. This, this bill would capture that activity. What it's meant to do uh, is to do what I think every reasonable person wants. This is an inherently deadly product, uh, and we understand that there are constitutional protections around an individual's right to keep and, and, and purchase that. But because it's inherently dangerous, we have to take extra steps to keep people safe. 
Uh, so this bill doesn't make it more difficult uh, for an individual to purchase a firearm. Uh, what it does is says that if you are going to make money, uh, if your business model is predicated off of an inherently dangerous product, uh, then you got to take the proper protocols so that our kids aren't being killed on the streets as a result. Are there things in the manufacturing itself, such as a mark that will track a bullet? So, so there are there have been uh, um, in discussion for a number of years uh, steps that uh, manufacturers can take to make them the, the product itself uh, more safe. And I think you know what you're talking about, Libby. Um, uh, things like micro stamping, uh, which right. would allow us to uh, to, to 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 track. Um, these firearms, a lot of times what happens is the serial number of those who want to do harm, you get a gun illegally, um, you scratch the serial number off uh, so that law enforcement can't track where the gun was initially purchased or where it came from. Uh, what micro stamping does is put it in a place um, uh, on the weapon or on the um, um, ammunition where you can't scratch it off, uh, uh, but where law enforcement can still uh, track that. Uh, and I think that this is a step that manufacturers could take if they were serious um, uh, about really protecting people's constitutional rights, but also making us safe. And, you know, I want to note here that there have been some steps that manufacturers have taken in the past, but they were met with immediate and uh, incredible backlash from the NRA, and then they stepped back. Uh, Smith & Wesson is one of those companies uh, that said, well, let's start looking into this. Let's start looking into micro-stamping. Let's start looking into some safety protocols. Uh, and the NRA initiated a boycott against them, uh, and, oh it hurt, and it hurt their bottom line, uh, and they retreated. They said, all right, we're going to step away uh, from doing this. And so this is, um, of course, a, a battle of safety, but um, as in with most policy things, is incredibly political. Is it possible for 3D printers to microstamp a polymer, piece of polymer that might go into the manufacture of a ghost gun? You know, I, uh, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure about the full capabilities of, of 3D printers, and I don't want to misrepresent <laughs> um, uh, their, their abilities here. Uh, but we do know, and you had one of my great colleagues on, Senator Holman, uh, who has been a leader on ghost gun um, uh, uh, legislation uh, really talk about how easy it is uh, to produce these weapons. Uh, we see the research sort of bear out um, that this is the weapon of choice of white supremacists um, uh, in, in this country. Uh, and uh, it's something that we really have to tackle. We should be using that technology for good, as you're suggesting, uh, but we've seen that thus far uh, it hasn't been uh, necessarily the case. Thank you so much. We have very much appreciated hearing from you. That's right. I'm really grateful uh, that you guys had me on and uh, look forward to coming back on uh, with some good news once this is signed into law. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here, we acknowledge Governor Cuomo for his action in signing this legislation into law and ask him to take action and sign the Jose Webster and Scott Bagel Acts that will outlaw ghost guns in New York State. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns radio show, here on listener-sponsored, commercial-free WBAI. We are here every Tuesday afternoon at 2.30, bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention movement news. 
Next up, we have a special report on ghost guns, a subject that I got interested in a few months ago. So I'm glad to see that uh, we're going forward with this and legislators are taking note of it. Now we have a report on the advocacy of gun owners who are fighting to reduce deaths and injuries. Sarah, you just interviewed Jonathan Gold, president of the Michigan chapter of Gifford's Gun Owners for Safety. Let's have a listen. Good afternoon, listeners. I am so excited to be here today with Jonathan Gold. Jonathan Gold is the president of the Michigan chapter of Gifford's Gun Owners for Safety, an Everytown Speaking Fellow, and an NRA-trained pistol instructor for over 25 years. Welcome to our show, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. First, I want you to tell us about ghost guns and the work that you've been doing. Sure. So, first of all, ghost guns should not be in the hands of any responsible gun owner. A ghost gun is an unserialized weapon. All legal weapons, any weapon you would buy from a standard manufacturer or a store that's licensed by the federal government, would come with a stamped serial number. That's the law. And it's against the law to remove that serial number. So you would think logically then it would be illegal to produce a weapon with no serial number. However, there is a loophole in the law that allows hobbyists to build their own guns. And now, since technology and the law have not caught up with each other, you can produce not just an antique rifle or an antique pistol to put on your shelf. You can now produce a simulation of a Glock 17 pistol or an AR-15 rifle with absolutely no serial number. The reason that's important is because most murders and crimes are solved by tracing the serial number on a firearm from the manufacturer to the dealer to the first owner of the weapon because it gives law enforcement and authorities a clear chain to follow that firearm. Without a serial number, that gun's invisible. It's a ghost. It can't be traced. In fact, its existence may never be known of. I didn't realize that most crimes are solved by tracing the weapons, but it does seem clear to me that it's a safety factor to have weapons be serialized and be able to be traced. Well, I can give you a number. Since the beginning of tracing weapons through serial numbers, seven million crimes have been solved through this method. Imagine telling seven million victims that you had no way to solve or bring justice to their families. Imagine telling the victims of a mass shooting that you didn't have the opportunity to trace that weapon back to the owner or the dealer. Imagine telling the mother of a murdered child that there would be no justice because this gun was printed in somebody's basement or built in a tool and die shop. That's what we're talking about here. Seven million cases so far. It's so powerful to hear you talk because I really feel that gun owners are the most important group now that needs to get active in order to reduce gun deaths, to reduce injuries. We have to have gun owners on board. And that's what Gifford's Gun Owners for Safety is all about. It is gun owners coming to the table. We've made huge progress in states like Colorado where laws are now being passed with reckless abandon to make people safer. And I hate to use that phrase, right? It's a contradiction in terms. Reckless abandon to make people safer. But yes, that's what we need. I don't 
want to confiscate anyone's gun. The NRA does not speak for me anymore. We just did a big Giffords program called the NRA doesn't speak for me anymore. And the reason is because they've gotten into the business of selling guns and have left the business of safety and left the business of responsible gun stewardship. Giffords Gunners for Safety, however, while we don't believe in, we're not banners, we're not confiscators, we are ultimate believers in responsibility. And that if you are not going to responsibly handle a firearm, then you really ought not have one. Let's turn to another subject because I had seen this post of a BuzzFeed article about someone who was arrested in relationship to the Capitol riots who had acquired 34 guns since their arrest. And we've been covering militia groups on Radio Gag for some time. So I knew who the Oath Keepers and Three Percenters were when they were found to be part of the Capitol riot. Is there a connection between untraceable guns, illegal guns, and militia groups like the Oath Keepers? First of all, this is why universal background checks are so important. If that man had been in a universal national nationwide database as having been arrested for a violent crime, he never would have been legally sold those guns. I'm not saying he couldn't have acquired ghost guns. I'm not saying he couldn't have acquired weapons another way, but it would have been a lot more dangerous and a lot harder for him to get them. And that's important. We need to make it harder for criminals to get their hands on firearms. Second of all, is there a direct connection? I can't prove one. But what I can tell you is this. If you're a militia that doesn't want to be convicted of a crime, then an untraceable weapon is an invaluable tool. If you can get your hands on a ghost gun and there's no serial number to trace, you've just diminished the chances of you being caught. I cannot tell you there is a direct connection, but I can tell you that if I was them, that's what I'd want. I, and really, it was something that Scott Papalardo said that started me thinking in this direction, too, because he said these guns are sold because there are people who don't want the government to know how many guns they have. And I'm like, who's that besides criminals? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And let's use another word. Terrorists. People are afraid to use the word. But these people who are using arms to produce terror in order to influence government or the populace, that's not just a First Amendment right to free speech as they claim it. That's intimidation. And they're trying to do it for a political reason. And if we look up the definition of terrorism, it's using weapons and tactics to influence a political outcome or situation. We really need to call them what they are. And they are not responsible gun owners. If they are being criminals and they are being terrorists, then they are not us. They are not responsible gun owners. They are not responsible citizens. And they deserve to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jonathan. Is, is there something that you'd like to say to our listeners before we say goodbye? I would. I'd like them to think that there is moderation that there are people on both sides of this argument that make it want to be better, and that we can all start with this premise, that we'd simply like less people to get shot. It's not that big a ball throw here to find a middle ground that says that there are people on both sides of this argument who want less people to die. And if we can start at that premise, we can find middle ground. Well, thanks for being with us today. Keep up the good work. We'll be in touch. Thank you. To find
find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Come to a meeting here in New York City. We meet virtually every other Thursday at 7 p.m. Our next meeting is July 22nd, where we will be planning all kinds of great actions and protests. So please join us. Everyone is welcome at all of our gag events, and uh, all visitors are welcome to our gag meetings as well. And another great way to get involved is by becoming a BAI buddy. A BAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Even a $5 monthly contribution, just one of your iced lattes, can really help keep us on the air here at WBAI to bring you this live show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you. So now it's time to finish the show with our hell yeahs when we celebrate some of our favorite sheroes and heroes of the week. Hell yeah to Governor Cuomo for declaring a gun violence emergency in New York State. Hell yeah to State Senator Zelnor Myrie for his gun violence prevention legislation and his advocacy for improving the lives of our communities. Hell yeah to Jonathan Gold for advocating for responsible gun ownership. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Now, thanks for listening, everybody. And we're back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. We leave you with our fabulous political singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. Me out at the ball game. Shoot me down at the bar. Come to the movies and watch us fall. Come to church, come to school, kill us all. Go on block, block, block any gun laws. Sell your soul, have no shame. Yes, it's one, two, three strikes we lose at the old gun game.